listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Greetings, greetings, greetings beautiful people. My name is Simon Javan Okello and uh, I'm excited to be here for another amazing episode of the African Father in America podcast. We are live and direct in Seattle, Washington, and I have a really special guest with me here today. I'm just going to bring him on your screen in a second here. Uh, I have Chris Conti. Chris, go ahead and uh, say hello to our viewers and our listeners. Well, hello, and thank you, Simon, for having me. It's a real honor to be with you and, and on this August forum. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, it's definitely a privilege to have you. I am going to do a proper introduction to uh, to you know to you and uh, I'm going to also discuss why we are having you on the show today uh, I've always wanted to have you on the show but today is very very special uh, but for now we are going to just share today's proverb real quick and after we've talked about the proverb and the three nuggets of wisdom uh, you know I'll do a proper introduction of Chris uh, and then we'll talk a lot about an incredible book uh, that was just published recently uh, that Chris edited. So if you're just joining us, thank you. I deeply, deeply appreciate your presence. And uh, I'm going to bring on uh, the proverb for today here on your screen. Uh, it says that the rat cannot call the cat to account. This is a Nigerian proverb, Niger. Um, so I have three nuggets of wisdom. I'm going to share about this uh, wonderful proverb, but I want you to share in the comment what this proverb means to you. Um, I know that you are all joining us from different uh, platforms. Some of you are joining us on YouTube where I want you to subscribe to my channel and give this video a thumbs up. But I know that some of you are also on LinkedIn. Uh, some of you are on X, uh, formerly Twitter. Some of you are on Facebook, some of you are on AMP. Uh, I just want you to take a minute, engage with this content, share and comment. Um, the three nuggets of wisdom related to this proverb. The first one says that just as the rat cannot challenge the cat, understanding our limitations is essential. Then the second nugget of wisdom says that much like the rat's inability to confront the cat, not every conflict is worth engaging in. You should choose your fights wisely. And then uh, the final nugget of wisdom is that, uh, you know, today's proverb uh, highlights the natural order of things. Uh, and it reminds us of the importance of respecting authority and roles, you know. So let those sink in, think about those uh, for a while. And uh, I want to bring on our guest here for a moment. Chris, when we sent you this proverb from Niger, what is it that came to your mind? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, not very much at first. I didn't know what to make of it. Uh, and actually the, the three nuggets that you've just shared are quite different than what I imagined. Um, you know, not being an African, and certainly I've, I know nothing about Niger. I've never been there. I don't know. I met one person from Niger, uh, and we met for maybe a minute, uh, and that's about it. So in a sense, I found myself in the position I'm often in as an, as an editor, 
uh, and especially when I'm editing African writers, which is I don't know the subject, they're the experts. Uh, so my my gut feeling was to, uh, you know, re I actually thought of the rat as bad. And that the bat, the to me, the rat did not have the moral authority to be in judgment of the, of the cat. Um, and maybe that's a very Western way of perceiving things. It sounds like it is, since your your uh, wisdom, which is much closer to the reality than mine, is quite different. But it's a it's a, it, it reminds me of an object lesson that I've used many times as an editor, which is my job is to help people tell their stories, but uh, I, I am not the owner of their stories and I don't tell their stories myself. Uh, so it's, uh, it illustrates my inadequacies. Well, the, the beautiful thing with African proverbs is that all the answers are correct. You know, every, every part, it's about perspectives, you know, uh, when you see or hear these proverbs, they are to teach you a lesson, not to teach others a lesson. You know, you take it and digest it for your own sake, you know. And so I just love your own perspectives on this proverb. Um, but, uh, you know, for those who are meeting Chris Conti for the first time, he is uh, an incredible writer, editor, and uh, journalism teacher based in Washington, D.C., and also a former reporter and editor for the Wall Street Journal and uh, Chris you know one of the people that I talked to in preparation to our conversation today was Dr. John Conti and I was asking him hey uh, John what question should I ask Chris uh, and one of his suggestions was ask him why Africa you know why of all the places you've been to India you know you've worked for the World Bank um, why Africa? What is it about Africa that uh, made you feel that you need to work on this project that we are going to be discussing today? Let me just bring it on the screen here real quick so that everybody who is watching can also familiarize themselves with Remembering the Future, which is uh, the book that Chris just edited with an amazing group of um, an amazing group of um, authors, you know, and journalists from Uganda. So, Chris, speak about why Africa for a moment as I bring this, uh, you know, as I bring this picture to the screen. Okay, well, um, I, uh, in the course of my journalism career, I've traveled to very many different places. Uh, and uh, in the early part of uh, uh, the 2000s, uh, I found myself with a uh, in a three-year uh, assignment to Uganda, and I have never had a a more immediately and enduringly happy experience. I think in any other place I've I've worked, um, I found that Ugandans are very welcoming, very loving, very supportive, very interested. Uh, and they also, and as a journalist, I particularly appreciated this, they are natural storytellers. And in just in my casual conversations, almost from the day I landed, 
um, I would ask people a question and they would give me a whole story that would explain the background and the cultural context. And I found the story absolutely fascinating. Uh, so actually, while I was there, I worked with a group of writers uh, who happened to all be women. Uh, and that produced a book called Crossroads, Women, women Coming of Age in Today's Uganda. And they were all women writers talking about uh, their experience as, as Ugandan women who were very modern and westernized, really, in their outlook. Uh, and reconciling that with what they thought were the teachings of their traditional culture. And uh, it was a very happy experience, uh, but I got all kinds of feedback from other writers, including men saying, why didn't you include us? Uh, to which I had no good answer. Uh, uh, but also people said There's, there, there, are, there are deeper stories that you have to tell. And one of the things that became clear to me is that many young Ugandans are really, feel themselves still at, to borrow a phrase from the first book, at a crossroads. Uh, and they, um, they, they are under enormous pressure. They have been, first of all, by their colonial rulers for the, the first half of, of the 20th century. Uh, but then immediately after colonialism ended, uh, the World Bank and the U.S. government and all kinds of uh, outsiders were pressing upon them rules about how a nation should behave and what 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 should be the structure of of, an, of a nation. And a lot of my Ugandan friends said that this didn't seem to relate with what they to what they heard from their elders. And but they also felt cut off from their past because they had really been taught the Bible of Western economics and Western values for so long that they felt out of touch. So the idea behind this book was for them to go back, to delve back into the past and to understand their African past uh, with the goal that then they could understand how they got to where they are today, who they are today, and only then can they think for themselves about what kind of future they want. And that's really why we have the title, Remembering the Future. It sounds like a contradiction, but in fact, by remembering, they are building a future. Uh, and as you'll see, there are 15 chapters, chapters in the book, and they have many different takes about all kinds of different aspects of, of their African life lives. Um, but they're all fascinating and I find very appealing. And as a Westerner, as an outsider, I feel that the the stories they tell about the values that that they inherited from their culture are lessons for everybody. And I think that uh, you could very easily turn this this book into a loving, friendly critique of Western culture, which I think is very much in uh, very much needed today. I love that. I love that. And actually, it brings me to this very first question that I ask all the guests that join me here uh, for the African Father in America podcast, Afia podcast. I normally ask this question because um, this question is really like the book you're talking about, Chris. You know, this question is uh, to ask guests to think about a story that happened in their childhood when they were eight years old. Uh, 
that inspires who they are today you know so i want you to think about a moment in your childhood that drives this effort you know this um you know uh, you've worked really hard on this project i think for at least the last three years i've i've known that you're working on this book and so uh you know for me it's really important that we go back a little bit to also your own upbringing you know and how that inspires the work that you're doing uh today with this book before you do that though i just want to encourage i see a lot of people are joining us uh on on youtube uh i want you to take a moment and comment down below what is it that you're hearing about this conversation that is moving you you know i want to see you engaging uh let us know where in the world you are also if you're in uganda kenya the us let us know where in the world you're joining us from and i'll read your comment before the end of the show so go ahead chris and share with us you know what is it that happened in your childhood that continues to drive who you are in the work that you're doing today well i uh, uh i grew up in a uh in a family with very idealistic parents uh and uh my mother always was sharing with her her children uh um idealistic stories about her past and about um our country and really my my very first memories of the broader society outside of my own immediate world was the election of president john f kennedy in 1960 and um he he was a to me uh and partly i think i was seeing him through my parents eyes uh he was a, a heroic figure he was he was young he was dynamic he had a wonderful sense of of humor but also very strong ideals which he was very eloquent uh in espousing and i think that um he gave me a sense from an early age of great optimism and great belief in uh democracy and the american uh, democratic system not just the american democratic system and democracy in general um and uh since you uh you talked to dr john conti uh and i'm relieved to say to hear that he didn't tell you any any of the uh dark stories from our shared past as children we were brothers um but i will tell you one personal story um one day uh we were playing softball in our backyard and my father pitched the ball and brother john hit a, a vicious hard hit line drive that hit my father square in the face and um there was a lot of blood the baseball game was over uh i think the nose was broken although i'm not sure but um i was so full of that experience and i wanted to know what can i do with it and the only thing i could think of to do was to tell the story so i created my first newspaper with me doing the graphics which were about what you would expect of a 10 year old um but i told the story about this 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 horrible baseball accident and um the bug really caught on with me because i've just always wanted to be the purveyor of stories and i have been a journalist um through high school 
some in college and then from college to this day that has been my life's work that's so incredible that's so incredible i love i love stories and i love uh i love your journey you know uh and really i thank you for you know for for sharing your 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 gifts with africa you know um so you know when you look back at at this story at the beginning and you go back to your career you know with the world bank with wall street journal uh you know I've, i also knew that you teach journalism in india and i think when we first met you are teaching journalism in uganda and maybe you are working on your first book or you are just published it but when you think about all of that uh do you think that remembering the future the book that you just published uh is what makes you most proud or um is there something else in your career that you want to highlight uh you know uh, so that we can just learn a little more about what is it that uh when you look back you know let's say you go back to Uganda and you know you meet a bunch of students at Makerere University that are very interested in the book but they're also interested in what is it that makes you most proud about this work that you do would you present this book or would you talk about something else you know i i actually think i would present this book i think in a way it's it's the culmination of of a long learning experience that i have gone through uh you know and it started as many journalists careers do with covering politics and i covered it at the grassroots level i covered you know a small city i covered a small state uh and then um as uh, many journalists want to do i made my way to the big story which was washington dc and i covered the national government of the us the us congress for uh uh quite a few years and then uh um and then i wanted to even be in a bigger arena so i started doing a lot of work internationally um but uh as i i think as i've gotten older one of the things that i've come to appreciate is the biggest story and the biggest mystery uh the biggest puzzle to be solved really is um is what goes on in the heart and the minds of individual people and i think what drew me to africa was that um africans the africans who i met did not come to me with great preconceptions but they came uh with great interest curiosity and desire to learn and um uh i really felt you know uganda is a very new country it's only been a country since 1962 uh it's a very young country um i can't remember the percentage but um i am way beyond the average life expectancy for a ugandan and uh more than half of the population is uh younger are are people younger than my own children um and that youth is evident in the in the yearning and the desire and the sense of openness to uh what the future may bring and i think that what um i found so rewarding about working with these writers was that they are very thoughtful they're very learned but they also ask the basic questions about who are we and 
what are we trying to do? What are we trying to get out of our lives? And how do you live a good life? And um, in a sense, as I've watched some of the things go wrong in other spheres that I've covered, especially politics, I think the problem is partly that we've lost that human touch. Uh, certainly in the U.S. we have. And, and I think that um, the voice of, of youth and of people with a very different background and a background that happens to be full of teachings of elders who had great wisdom um, is something that um, there's nothing better and more valuable that I could share or help my my authors share with the world. So why Africa? Because it's a hell of an interesting place with a lot going on and a very exciting and inspiring place. And um, I was lucky to find myself in the right place at the right time. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, those are really beautiful, uh, you know, responses and, and, and just stories. You know, you're a wonderful storyteller. Uh, I just want to thank all our viewers. I see you. Uh, I see you, but I don't see your comments yet. Oh, 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 there are so many comments here. I'm going to read them in a moment. Please uh, keep <laughs> keep, uh, keep sharing them. And uh, Chris, I just want you to take a moment and pick your favorite, uh, you know, excerpt from the book, but also show us the cover of the book. I love, I have a copy of the book myself. Um, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I love the cover Very of the book. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. So uh, I would love for you to just read maybe a paragraph from your favorite excerpt, or, or not just your favorite, but uh, the the section of the book that you'd like to to share with our viewers and our listeners today. I would love that. Well, um, it's a that's actually a very hard assignment because the the chapters are are very diverse. Uh, they they talk about you know everything from spirituality to health to modern movies uh, to language. One of the most interesting stories, which is a real study in culture and how culture evolves, deals with the uh, more than thirty languages that. Um, coexist in in the, that little nation in, in East Africa. Um, so it's hard to find a sample. And also the stories, some of them are very sad. Some There's some tragedy. Uh, some of them are funny uh, and everything between. But um, I don't know that this is my favorite, but I actually thought that a chapter that's actually the, the this is actually the end of the book. Uh, and in some cases, it's it's a mistake to um, start with the ending, but in this case, I think it's it's appropriate because it really describes the um, the optimism uh, and hope that comes out um, after all of the discussion about difficult issues and and hardships. Uh, it's the chapter by uh, writer Edna Namara, who your viewers are going to meet in a few days. Uh, and she, the chapter that she writes talks about her experiences being raised largely by her grandmother. Uh, and um, this is how she ends the story. It's a little longer than a paragraph, but I'll try to go fast. My grandmother, who had guided me through many of life's most important moments, 
concluded her responsibility by easing her release from me. She helped me understand and accept her own death. A few weeks after she had been in the hospital, she came to me in a dream. She was close to me, near enough for us to exchange words. We were separated by a bright gold ray. She was strong, she was dancing and happy. She told me she was feeling rejuvenated. Please tell your siblings not to care anymore about how I feel. I am happy, she said. This made me happy too. I kept looking at her. I had never seen her with such a glow. I had never seen her so strong. Our conversation went on to one other sentence. Look, the nurses have moved me off the bed, she said. Really, Grandma, this is so good, I answered. The fo a phone call cut short my dream. My cousin George, who had been taking care of her, was on the line. Edna, he said, grandmother has breathed her last. What did you say, George? What? I asked, throwing back my covers. This is Ed, that was Edna speaking. The brother responds, grandmother died a moment ago. Her nurses are removing her from the bed right now. I wanted to return to the dream, but I could not. I wanted to ask more questions, but what for? What was important was her message. She was happy and she wished us all to be happy. She gave me the means to let her go because she knew it would be hard for me. My grandmother who introduced me to a culture of humans also gave me a sneak peek into the culture of life after death. There is a rebirth, a rekindling, a rebranding, a perfect bliss in the spirit world after our mission on earth is accomplished. Rest in peace, my best friend, grandma. That's, 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 that's beautiful and sad and, and moving at the same time, you know. Uh, I can't really wait to meet, uh, you know, Edna this Friday. I believe I'm interviewing her this Friday. Uh, and uh, I'll have to bring this up uh, and I'll see what her favorite excerpt is, uh, you know, from the book as well. I should just say she wrote a whole other chapter on a, on a completely different issue. Um, like a lot of the other writers, she traveled uh, back to her, her uh, native home uh, and she hiked high up into a mountain to talk to a great aunt um, who told her about the sad, sad song that women used to sing on their wedding days in Hill Country. And um, she finds the story behind the dream. I mean, so, I'm sorry, behind the song. And um, it's also inspiring and it's, it's not what you would expect. It's, it's a wonderful story. I love that. So Chris, uh, our viewers would like to know where they can get the book, you know, uh, share with us, you know, some of the places, if somebody's in Uganda, where can they go to get the book? If someone is here in the US, where can they go to get the book? And where can they learn more if they just want to learn more about the authors and things like that? Sure. Um, if you are in, in Africa, uh, especially Uganda, but other, other parts of Africa, uh, the, the best place to go is the African publisher, and that's Ibua Publishing. Uh, and their website is www 
Ibua Publishing, that's I-B-U-A Publishing, all one word, dot com. And from there, you can find out how to, um, how to order the book through Ibua. Uh, if you're outside of Africa, or if you happen to be an Amazon user, um, you can find it on Amazon, and you also can get a wealth of information about the book, all the other chapters, information about the authors at the book's website. Uh, and that is uh, www.ugandamemories, all one word, uh, ugandamemories.com. Uh, so uh, with, the, with those two websites, uh, you'll, you'll be connected to the book easily. Excellent, excellent, excellent. There are so many, uh, you know, so many of you, uh, my viewers and listeners and friends, and I see that some of the authors are also watching the show. So thank you for taking the time. You know, Chris, we are coming to the tail end of our conversation today, and I just want you to share anything that I did not ask you that you really feel that you'd like everybody to hear. Uh, and uh, then from there, we will wrap up our conversation for today. Uh, well, I, you know, I have in front of me a list of, of the 15 authors, and I was going to walk you through a description of all of the fascinating chapters, because there really are Every chapter is, I think, uh, full of surprises and full of ideas and thoughts that um, that might not have occurred to you, um, but also are um, uh, fascinating and and also inspiring. Um, and I, to, to me, they're really. Uh, I was the editor, uh, but in a way, I feel like I was the I was the student, and I had the privilege of knowing all of these people and getting to know them quite well. The editing process was long and arduous and they really rolled up their sleeves and worked hard. And um, um, I'm really proud of the results and I really feel that um, it will stand the test of time, but also it's inspired some interesting discussion already in Uganda. And um, there, are, there is going to be some new news in in the in the days ahead about um, unexpected things that have happened as a result of this book. Um, and stay tuned; we'll be letting you know about that uh, as soon as we can. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, uh, Uganda is a special place for me. I've been there a few times. Uh, next month, we have a Ugandan chef uh, making. Uh, you know, fantastic food for us at uh, the Taste of Madaraka Festival here in Seattle, Washington. And, uh, you know, I just commend you, Chris, for, you know, for, for taking your time and uh, doing this incredible work with, with African authors, especially from Uganda. I feel that a lot of, uh, a lot of Africans need this opportunity, you know, uh, we need similar stories from Kenya, similar stories from Malawi, similar stories from Nigeria, you know. So I just commend you, and uh, I'm very, very proud of all the authors. Uh, I can't wait to uh, interview all of them as well. I know that we have a, we have a series of interviews around uh, Remembering the Future, this book. And uh, if you're watching, I want you to uh, make sure you grab a copy, go to Amazon, or go to Ibua Publishers in Uganda and get yourself a copy. So, Chris, I just, uh, you know, as we wrap up our time together, I just want to thank you again. And uh, let me just see 
who left comments here uh i see uh, we are we have steven joining us from kenya who says hello great family uh and uh, i also see my wonderful sister here is saying uh, western society is what needs to be critiqued uh and uh he says that she says that chris conti the truth that always rings you know that's wonderful uh and then you know uh i also see joseph owen who is saying great job so those are the comments i could read for today i just want to thank you all for joining us and i will be here tomorrow again 6am pacific standard time for another episode of the african father in america podcast uh, take great care of yourself chris thank you so much for making the time i deeply appreciate it thank you very much and um, blessings to all of your listeners african father in america you are listening to african father in america podcast by simon javanokele live from seattle washington